Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tingser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders and entrepreneurs in the hospitality industry to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. In today's podcast, we are very fortunate to be speaking with Andrew Mosley, the general manager for the iconic hotel, The Grand in Brighton. Andrew has a lifetime of experience in hotel management and has in the last eight years been on an amazing journey at The Grand. We will also be talking about leadership and how tech is making its move into hotel management and operation. So tune in and enjoy. Great to have you here today, Andrew. And coming in on your birthday, that's a, that's a, that was a surprise. So we didn't mean to drag you in on your birthday, but we very, very appreciate that you're coming that's in That's okay. It's a good way to spend a birthday. Thanks for having me. So let's uh, just kick off with a, a, a simple one. Your story and uh, how it brought you to Brighton and the Grand Hotel. Oh, that's a long story because yeah. you just mentioned my birthday. So yeah. I mean, I'm 53 today. I don't mind telling you that. Yeah. So my my story now goes back over well about nearly 40 years. When I was 14 years old, I decided I wanted to be a hotel general manager. We we were on holiday in a place in Cornwall. We used to stay in this house, and each week, mum and dad brought enough money together to afford a posh meal. So we went into this local hotel, which to us in those days was a really posh place. I'm not quite sure how posh it really is after all but it 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 was to us in those days and we went into this hotel each time we stayed at this house in Cornwall which was sort of once a year or so and had our posh dinner and whilst we were being served on this occasion when I was 14 years old we were served by two young people from my hometown as it turned out because we were chatting away to them and they kind of the story went that they were there for the summer um, having a great time serving breakfast and then they'd hit the beach all day and then in the evening, they'd work dinner and they'd have a bit of a party in the staff accommodation afterwards. And then the next morning, they'd get up and do breakfast. And then they'd hit the beach all day. Then they'd serve dinner and have a bit of a staff party. And then they'd hit the beach again. And I thought, actually, if that's what running a hotel or working in a hotel is all about, I like the sound of that. I want to be a hotel manager. <laughs> and it was as naive and as stupid a coincidental meeting as that. And so I then went off and I got a degree in hotel and catering management. I joined um, a company called Shire Hotels um, when I graduated in 87. I spent just over 10 years with them doing an assistant management and deputy general management development program. was promoted to my first general manager's position when I was 28 with them. Did five years in that general manager's job and then moved on to work for two or three other companies, moved around the country a bit. And eventually, in 2005, ended up at the Belfry. So I was the director of operations at the Belfry, which is called famous for Ryder Cups and very large events. And I worked there for a year and a half or so before moving to a provincial company called Q Hotels, redeveloping a business in, in Winchester, actually. So I was back on the south coast again. So we moved back down to the south coast because I came down here originally in 1990 for a, for a period whilst I was with Shire, opening a hotel for them. So... I was back on the south coast in 2005, working in Winchester, and kind of uh, after I'd left the Belfry, and then in, in 2010, the, the, the opportunity at the Grand came up, and it was just too good too good to miss out on, really. So I, I threw my hat in, and the, the rest is history, as they say. You know, eight years later, I'm, I'm, I'm still the general manager at this fantastic hotel in Brighton. So the eight years at the Grand, I guess that is an adventure in itself from... 2010 and yeah. up to now yeah can, can you give us like the the uh, the journey of that in a, in a short version as very well? short happened? version i mean i came in, in i came into the hotel in may 2010 it hadn't had 
any sort of investment for a long time. It had been very badly hit by the recession. You know, it, was, it was really suffering a bit. And so we kind of started to get it going again. I suppose the, the economy started to improve a little bit and business started to come back. And, and, then, and then we got um, a kind of lucky break. It was a weird lucky break because the owners at the time decided they were going to invest in the hotel, as it subsequently turned out, for them to sell it. I didn't know that they were going to sell it when they were investing in it. So we went through this refurbishment, but what what we benefited from was a fully refurbished hotel. About a year later, after the refurbishment, they then told me that they were going to sell the hotel. So we sold the hotel to our current owners in 2014. I stayed, obviously, with the hotel, so I'm now working for someone else. I've been with them for four years, and, you know, life's good. Um, There's been a lot of work and a lot of investment in the grand. And so that's the kind of potted history really of the eight of the eight years it was kind of post-recession full refurb sale and then you know quite a lot of investment notably air conditioning to all the bedrooms um some work on other areas internally but most noticeably for everyone that lives local to the grand anyway the full refurbishment of the facade of the hotel which i'm pleased to say is now coming to a close so yeah like many other hospitality business especially by the seaside there has been some struggle to go through after the recession what are the main contributors beside the of course a refurb is always a strong thing to do that's done that the grant has taken a turn and now going the other way yeah well um you can you can sort of read all sorts of management theory books on how to run businesses but i'm i am a great believer in ensuring that people the people that you employ are put right at the heart of what you do. That, I think, will create a happy environment for our customers. They then come in and they're happy with what's happening to them and the delivery and the service is very good and therefore they spend more money and by spending more money you can invest in more staff and the whole cycle continues. And And so, you, you know, it's proven, it is proven that the higher your retention score, in other words, the amount of staff you have working in your business with one year service or more, so the higher that score and the higher engagement, in other words, your staff satisfaction score is, the better your profitability certainly your sales sales line and also your customer satisfaction is directly related to your sales line so we work very very hard on making sure that we have a you know a very connected team a very engaged team very happy to be at the grand proud to work there would recommend it to someone to come and work with them who in turn then deliver great service to our customers who give us repeat business and um, in turn sales and then profit follows. And we actually we actually talk about those things all of the time. We talk about that kind of business mantra of whatever we do, it's people, delivery, sales, profit. So if we have a manager's monthly meeting, for example, to review the business, the first agenda item is people, the second is delivery, the third is sales, and the fourth is profit. So we don't, as some businesses are in t- in, in, inclined to do, cut straight to the profit forecast at the beginning of our managers meetings we talk about all the other stuff first and then we and then we consider whether or not a rise or a fall in profit is as a result of the other things that we're doing rather than just good or bad cost controls so you said retention yeah directly impacts you know your sales and thereby sales directly impact profits so what are you doing to retain people? Because that's one of the biggest challenges in hospitality uh, and everybody yeah. talks about, it, especially with, you know, Brexit have just, you know, maybe just kick it, kicked it to another level we haven't seen before. Yeah. So what is that you are doing? Would you like to share that a bit? What um, yeah, tactics sure. have you in place to um, make sure people stay for a longer period? Yeah, I, th- I think um, 
you know, it's, it's very important to communicate and mm. connect with your team. And there's a number of ways in which we do that. I mean, you know, obviously direct communication. So um, we speak we speak on a personal level and a one-to-one level with our team. We make sure that they have a, have the chance to co- to communicate back to us. We're a great believer that pay is a very short-term motivator. You know, give someone a pay rise today, and they'll have forgotten about it in about three or four weeks' time. It's just been absorbed into you know, monthly outgoings. And so you've got to do other stuff that makes people feel rewarded. So we have any any number of initiatives, right the way from sort of a, a benefits platform that we use, and it's called Perkbox that we subscribe to. It's very, very good. Right the way through to appreciation weeks that we do in the hotel from time to time where we sort of, ju- as a management team, we try and go above and beyond our delivery to staff. And it can be anything from barbecues to parties to staff social events to just going around a couple of times a day with a whole tray of scones or goodies or cold drinks on a day like today when it's very hot and just say thank you and just say thank you but I think an overarching factor about our business is 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 twofold one is that we are now a fully independent hotel and so the staff can give us feedback and we can act on it and so often I've I've been given feedback, but I've then been bound and gagged by kind of corporate rules and the company way of doing things. And the company way of doing things isn't necessarily either the right way to do things, but it is also not necessarily a sort of a generic approach is not necessarily right for an individual property, particularly if you've got within your portfolio an individual, very individual property like the Grand in terms of its status in the community. The fact it's in Brighton, which is a very sort of different, quirky working environment, Lots and lots of uh, reasons why you can't just apply those company rules. So we've benefited from being a, a wholly independent property. And so if our staff tell us something, we can go away and we can act on it. And fortunately, we're working with owners who are very keen to invest in staff. So therefore, for example, our staff about a year or two ago told us that they thought the staff changing facilities just weren't acceptable. So the next time the owner was down, which was a few weeks later, we showed him them. He agreed, and the next thing we knew, we had £80,000 released to us to invest in our staff facilities with with no return other than staff satisfaction expected against that. But again, the owner is on board with that mantra of people delivery sales. He knows that if you get if you invest in your staff facilities, then you get better engaged people who will deliver better to your customers, and so sales and profit will follow. The second thing, which we never become complacent about, but we are also very mindful of, is you know the Grand is a pretty iconic hotel it's a pretty iconic building it's a pretty iconic business and so you know we don't kid ourselves as managers that staff are hanging around our business for a long time because they want to work for us as individuals we we're we're more than aware that a lot of the loyalty comes from the fact that our team is connected to the grand and um if it weren't for the grand then perhaps they wouldn't stick around quite as long the hotel industry is a very transient uh, very transient business and uh, very transient industry, and so maybe we, we benefit from the fact that you know we've got people working at the Grand, um, maybe more than some of um, our neighbour or competitor hotels, whose businesses may not be quite so iconic um, and desirable for people to work at per se. So you said an interesting thing that pay is not the the main driver, and I actually totally agree with that from, yeah. from my own experience, also from many of the the other organization we yeah. work with. Sometimes that's not what it's about. And we we had a, a meeting, uh, I think it's a couple of months ago, where we were talking about making work work. So also like the basic things in your day life that 
the tools and things and resources you need to create a great guest experience are actually there to create create yeah. that experience that you actually have allowed to do that when you are at work and you talked a lot about i think you used the word uh giving permission to to operate that the staff actually can do things and deal with things in the moment when they're together with the guests yeah. can, can you elaborate a, a bit on that there's two sides to that really and and one is always inclined to concentrate on the the negative complaint handling but if if, if we just touch on that for a moment if a member of staff is faced with a customer that's not entirely satisfied with what they're either you know, is happening to them during their stay or the product they've received, whatever it might be, then we encourage our staff to, first of all, make themselves available to that customer so the customer's got more people to talk to than having to look for a manager all of the time, but then to make a decision. And you, you know, it could be as simple as a customer gets a cup of tea in the lounge and it's a bit cold um, and so they call them across the member of staff that's, that's that's looked after them. So, you know, I'm not particularly happy with this. And the member of staff has the opportunity and say, well, look, would you like me to refresh it for you with our compliments or or I'll knock something off the bill for you or whatever it might be, but please accept my apologies. And, and that empowers people and, it, and generally speaking, it nips complaints in the bud. And so we're very, very keen that, you know, our staff are empowered to do so. Perhaps more importantly, we've, we're very, very keen that staff should feel that they're part of the success of the business. And so if customers have something very positive to say about their experience, then they should be taking the plaudit and they should be rewarded for it and they should be thanked for it. And so if, for example, a customer gives us great feedback about a member of staff, then we have an in- internal incentive scheme that we use that rewards them. And coincidentally, it was my last appointment just before I came here today to do what we call a golden grand draw every six months for those people that have been constantly rewarded with our internal incentive scheme their grands these little tickets that we give them for every mention that they get and 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 reward that they get once they get to 25 of these tickets they they, it becomes a golden grand so the 25 grands becomes a golden grand and it doesn't mean you have to give up your 25 grands. They're still there for you to um, sort of redeem against anything from cinema tickets to bottles of wine to weekend stays to afternoon tea, whatever you might you might want. But the, but the golden grands then go into our golden grand draw. So every six months then all of these golden grands go into a draw. And just now we just drew a winner who's going off to Venice for two nights, flights, dinner, wow. gondola trips museum tickets everything for two people for a weekend so we've got a very very happy member of the team on our hands so I think if I related it to today if I turned around to that particular employee and said I'll tell you what I'm going to do I'm going to put your pay up by 20 pence an hour or something in three months time they would have just forgotten that they were on 20 pence less an hour now and they're now on 20 pence an hour more then and kind of just blend in whereas an opportunity to go off to venice that 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 will get that person talking about it for a long time it'll get people around her um, very engaged in the opportunity of winning and therefore giving extra in order to get into the golden grand draw and um you know we'll have our next drawing at at, uh, christmas and you, you know people will want to try a bit harder i hope in order to participate in that and hopefully win a prize we've done barcelona we've done nice we've we've done i think rome it might have been so you know some fantastic um cities and weekend experiences for our for our team if they work hard 
So what you're saying is that you are in the business of creating experience both for your employees, not just in the day-to-day life, but also as a perk or as instead of a small incentive in pay raise, as as well as your customers. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we, you know, we want we want our staff to get up in the morning and come to work at the Grand, knowing that they can be rewarded. But at the same time, just having a good day at work. You know, there's so many places that you see where the staff are disconnected because they're demotivated or not inspired by the job that they're doing, but more importantly, by the surroundings that they're in or the way in which they're being led and managed. And so we we concentrate a lot on, as I say, the staff engagement satisfaction number, if you like, to see how engaged and happy our team are about working with us and working as part of the team at the Grand. And you know, we're very proud of very proud of what we've achieved because the scores are very high and, and it leaves us then having to tweak and in slightly improve things in order to make them even better rather than having to fix them fix things completely because we've got totally disengaged staff. And we mentioned profit. That basically means, you know, a higher retention score this is this is not exactly rocket science, but a high, higher retention score it ten- essentially means that you're not then having to go through the employment process as many times, and therefore that's less costly to the business. But more importantly, the customer sees the same faces every time that they come, and particularly for somewhere like the Grand, which is a, you know quite annualised in terms of its large events and seasonal cycle and so on. You know, our customers have said to us that they like the fact that the same faces are there year after year after year. I mean, our recent statistics are 33% of our payroll have got more than three years' service at the Grand. So one in three. So you, 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 go into, you go into the ground and every third person that you see will have been there more than three years. One in 15 will have been there, will, will have been there more than 10 years. So people that come every Christmas, it doesn't take long for them to bump into someone that they know. And, and you know, you get that type of person at a, at a grand hotel. You know, I've been coming here for years for my Christmas break. And so it's really nice to see so-and-so still at reception, so-and-so still at, at concierge because they know what we like and they know us and that makes us feel quite good and so all of those factors build up to some successes for the business so it's good and i guess it hasn't been an easy journey to come here when i talk with with other people have a similar approach to you they say it's it's a tough journey but when you get there the rewards are so big there's no easy fix to get to this long long consistent journey doing what you do well every day yeah, I, talk, I talk to my management team about turning the flywheel of momentum the flywheel of momentum if you picture if you, I, I often use the analogy of having to push start a car on your own hmm. you know when you when you've got a stationary car and you've got to get it rolling so you can jump start it it's actually very very difficult to get it going and you really need to sort of lean into it and put your back into it and give it an extra shove but once you've got it moving you can actually start to kind of run with the car and you can push it almost with one hand. And before you know it, the person at the wheel can jump start the car and away it will go on its own. And I liken that to, to the business that, you, you know, we, we put initiatives in place to improve things. And at first, they're very, very difficult to get going. But then you start them up and then you get them going and they get them going and then they just fly off on their own. And as long as you then keep them in control, a little like the car, I guess, as long as there is someone driving it, then you you know it it makes it very very simple to um, keep something going, but it's just getting it going in the first place. And in answer directly to your question, if I look back at 2010 to now, 
there were a number of things that were really tricky to get going in 2010. Now they're up and running and kind of, you know, you just go to work in the morning and it's happening really without much needing to be, do- to be done at all. And it's very, very rewarding to see that. And, you know, my team... My entire team should be congratulated for that. It's not down to me at all. It's down to it's down to the people that I, that, that I work with. You know, they they just are so driven to make things happen and improve things and drive change. But the easy option is to just think we won't bother. You know, just oh, change is hard work. Yeah. So let's not bother. Let's just keep it as it is. And it's very rewarding for me personally to be working with a team of people that are constantly looking to drive change and improve things, particularly around me, around my sort of management team, if you like. Those those are the people who I would turn to first and foremost to make those things happen. And I've got a, a very, very highly skilled, highly motivated team of people that want want to see things happen. And it's fantastic to work with those people yeah so so going a bit back again i'm going to jump a bit back and forward here but the one thing i've mentioned that retention rate there's people but in the hotel and the restaurant industry that will probably sacrifice a lot to get to there yeah but there's a journey to go on as you just said but also we know that people don't leave the business they leave their managers so how do you get around getting that special culture around management because that's in my experience one of the toughest thing no matter what it is you try to run, is getting the right people in the right seat when it comes to managers. Well, I I, I always hold ourselves to blame. If if we recruit a bad manager, you know, we need to look no further than ourselves. But you know, we we're very very careful and very deliberate in any recruitment decisions that we make about employing new management in the business because it's absolutely essential that we get that right. Because you're right in what you're saying that if you get the wrong management team. They can start to take the business in the wrong direction. Staff can become disillusioned by change that shouldn't necessarily be happening. Different styles of doing things culturally, we start to change and morph, and and people become quite disillusioned. And you're right, they they they, they will act with their feet and they'll just leave. So first and foremost, we we always make sure, or wherever we possibly can, that we've got the right managers in place. And we spend quite a lot of time and energy with those people because it's important that they feel motivated and they've got very clear direction and they understand what's what's required of them. Spinning it on its head, being as positive as possible, we measure them and we reward them for great performance and and great results. And and you know, and it seems to work because again, as I've just mentioned, you know, we have very high retention numbers, but within my management team, we have some very very high retention numbers. So you know, really really strong retention numbers turn it back upside down again and you know measurement measurement can be performance management and we've talked about retention numbers we've talked about staff engagement we've talked about customer delivery scores etc etc we break that down departmentally and so someone with some poor results can do something about it because they're able to look at their own area and, and understand why things aren't great and therefore do something about it but if we consistently score low in a particular department then you know we 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 then we then have to consider whether or not it's working in that department and if it's not working in that department it could be down to the manager of that department and we we would you know make a change and always endeavor to do so with you know a firm handshake and a a very professional goodbye and good luck and wish them well on their way but you know we've had examples where we've had to say goodbye to people because they just haven't delivered what what it is we're looking for and you never want to get it to that but sometimes in order to benefit the overall business you need to you need to because it can be that one one bad department will bring down the others and so we make sure that everyone's performing 
sort of equally well as each other as best we possibly can. Yeah, and I think in a, we have a shared uh, author we like, both of us, Jim Collins. Yeah. Uh, good I mentioned the flywheel of momentum, yeah. that's where we, he come. yeah. And uh, he said that uh, the bad people will make the good people leave. Well, the, 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 bad pe- the bad people will make the good people leave. At the same time, if you then focus your energy on the bad people, you will also make the good people leave. So you can make that happen managerially as well. So if every morning you come to work, you've got 10 fantastic employees and one bad employee, and you spend all your time running around trying to make the bad employee do a good job, then the other 10 good employees will see that all of your energy is going into the bad person and they'll think, you know, my manager doesn't appreciate me and my manager doesn't show any interest in me. So the key is that you spend your time and energy with the 10 good people and very little time with the bad person. And people would say, well, hang on a minute, and that just allows that person just to kind of keep doing a rubbish job and and not get noticed. Well, yes and no. Um, you, you you make sure that you've got all the all the good people going in a fantastic direction as a team and slowly but surely, the the gap between the good people and the bad person gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that person feels more and more vulnerable. But it gives you as a manager the opportunity to sort of say, have you not grasped what it is I want you to do? You know, I keep putting all my energy into these 10 good people for you to see what good looks like. So you've got that opportunity to come on board. I keep offering you the opportunity for some training. I give you a bit of training, but you d- it doesn't seem to make any difference so look you know we've kind of made it easy for ourselves here you you must surely by now realize that you're not right for this team if you get it right normally it will be the good people will keep flying and the bad person will decide to leave because they suddenly feel quite isolated not literally but in in terms of their their ability ability isolated if you like and and so think right i'm going to get out of here before either it gets too messy or 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 i can't cope anymore with what's being expected of me yeah and i i see the same in in a different situation where you have a very strong culture either you fit in that culture or you don't yeah and uh, at the same time also seeing a very you know messy culture where very good people are leaving and it's getting getting worse because the good people are leaving. Yeah. So that they, they were keeping the basics in place. But it's very interesting saying you said about managers and choosing them. Is there any specific things you're looking for? Is it a is it a skill thing? Is it a hospitality management skills you're looking for? Or is it the is the more the soft skill or the emotional intelligence? Emotional skills? intelligence. Yeah. Emotional intelligence and the fit with the team. Um, so you know it, you mentioned cultural influence there. You know the culture is very very important to us. And so when we're in, interviewing a manager. We'll almost take it as take it as read that if they've got experience in the industry in a certain role that they're kind of applying for, so let's say it's a restaurant manager. If they've run three restaurants in the past, then they know how to be a restaurant manager. So we take the technical ability almost as a given when, when we come to interview people. But what we're far more in, um, interested in knowing is that emotional intelligence you know how are they going to fit within our culture how are they going to fit within our existing team how are they going to motivate and improve staff engagement how are they going to motivate staff how are they going to engage with our customers and just their 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 own personality if you like how is that personality going to fit within our team are they kind of one of us that sounds a bit weird but it works because otherwise you get very sort of different opinionated people coming into your team and that rubs everyone's back up the wrong way and suddenly you've got a little bit of upset within the, your existing team because of this new person that's trying to get things done differently and it upsets the momentum and, and 
things can fall apart quite quickly. So we actually take the technical ability as read when we interview someone and we're looking for that emotional stuff more um, than we are technical skill. So the journey you've been on, so we touched a bit on the management. I would like to take it a bit about to the change. We talked about change before and the difficulties to adapt to change and, okay. and getting things implemented because there's a lot of people out there that think, how am I going to get that implemented? That's often the question I'm asked to getting the swing wheel. As we yeah. talked about moving. And uh, I guess you build some complex strategies to, to make that work and you have your yearly planning session. Uh, how do you work with planning? Because planning is a very big part of hospitality because we are in a one-year cycle yeah. and we repeats every year. I guess in a way the same for a hotel. I mean the only form the only formal annual stop start look at things really is the budgeting process. You know that each year we you know we 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 finish a financial cycle and we put a new budget together and we present it to our owners and we sort of say you know here's where we think the finances are going next year. The strategy is longer term than that. So you know there's some sort of headline strategies to our our business which I'd go so far as to say they're not even really written down they're just verbally discussed and communicated amongst us and so we're all very clear on what it is we're we're aiming to achieve over a longer period of time and then just from time to time we sense check that we're either on course or whether that strategy is still the right strategy or not we could talk about several strategies that we have I mean in terms of building the business you know we're very much a conference hotel uh, midweek and then we are a leisure hotel weekend and then during the sort of the key summer months we're more of a leisure bias week all week round and so we sense check that once in a while you know is this kind of is this selling strategy working are we are we selling to the right markets because we're kind of putting our eggs in just two baskets we've got the leisure market the conference market we haven't got any great amount of bed and breakfast corporate market we don't do group tours we don't do um, that many hen nights and stag parties for example we don't really spend a lot of time and effort chasing the kids market although some people do bring their children and they're accommodated in, in it can be accommodated in the room but otherwise they're accommodated in adjacent rooms but the conference and the leisure the kind of couples adult higher end leisure market that that's our that's our that's our selling strategy we know it and that's that's the other benefit of that retention because then you don't need to repeat yourself too many times because everyone knows it anyway so you just remind people periodically as much as anything to sense check back against are we still doing the right thing is this the right way forward and we use all sorts of data and statistics and information market intel that we have in order to sense check that it's not just a question of whether we all think it's right Uh, it's a bit more professional and in-depth than that that's kind of very much the way that we do things in terms of the strategic direction of the hotel and the business. The only thing that's really written down is the is the budget. And that's very interesting for many, many organisations. We, we, you, you talked about corporate environments as well. There's a strategy process every year, so we need to have a you know one-year, three-year, five-year plan. And almost sometimes I say clutter the communication down towards mm. the organisation. Everybody starts to make change. Yeah, maybe changing things that are already working or things that never got to the stage where they're working because there was no patient with making it work in a way. Because things take time because it's humans that has to change. I often say. Yeah, sure. But also, I mean, you know, let's all be really honest with ourselves. And you know, why are we writing it down? Is it because someone somewhere wants us to write it down to prove that we know what we're talking about, or is it someone somewhere wants us to write it down so they've got a reference point? Or is it someone wants us to write it down so that they can read it and understand it? Because on all three of those on all three of those points, there's really not a strong case to write it down. You either know what you're talking about or you don't. 
and as long as you can communicate it really well then it doesn't it doesn't need writing down and i have filled my career writing stuff down and sending it off to so-called head office knowing that it's basically probably going to get printed off yeah printed off put in a big file on in the operations director's office and never touched again unless he wants to go around the hotels doing disciplinary reviews because he's not happy with the performance in the business and wants to relate it back and they just don't they just gather dust half the time for me it's much much more relevant to know your know your core strategy know where you're going keep touching back to it and make sure that you align all your conversations to it and then sense check it once in a while far more important to have written down is you know some key actions from a monthly managers review and which we do and and safe in the knowledge that as the general manager the review the management meeting has aligned to the strategy of the business so that you're not talking about things at your monthly meeting that have no relevance in how you want to take the business forward somehow subliminally subconsciously checking back within our ourselves but we all know where we want to go i think it sounds very uh, sensible i've seen that in very well functioned business as well they don't have much written down no they maybe have some you know general operation procedures you need to have in place because they are by law it gives sense because there's coming low-skilled workforce and you need to train up in them whilst they don't have a a big complicated plan totally agree with that and let me just interrupt you on that you know when when a new manager comes into the business if they ask me for a copy of the business plan so we don't we don't have a business plan well can i therefore can i therefore ask you what is expected of me yes are you ready people delivery sales in that order People deliver each sales. It doesn't matter whether you are an accountant, a sales manager, or an operational person. It doesn't matter which department you work in. People deliver each sales. And then I also refer them to Good to Great by Jim Collins. We will buy a copy of Good to Great by Jim Collins and expect a new manager to read it and we'll expense it for them so they don't have to pay for it themselves. And I will ask them to read that. But as part of that managerial induction and time that I spend with a new manager, for example, we will talk about good to great with uh, uh, good to great Jim Collins. And for anyone that is sort of, you know, looking to turn their business around, uh, it is difficult. It is hard work. It may not always work. But I would encourage anyone to just pick up a copy, spend a day or two reading it, because it's not the most difficult read in the world. But otherwise, you've got synopses online anyway, so you can just type Jim Collins, good to great synopsis into Google, and it will pop up in, I don't know, six or eight pages of A4. It'll tell you everything that you really need to know. And he has a brilliant website, by the way, jimcollins.com, with all the synopses. So we are great fans of him. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. we like him. We love him. Before we end today, I just want to hear your view on the future of the industry. There's a lot of doom and gloom happening right now and Brexit and so on. So what is your view on that? Uh, Above all else, we've got to understand the way that the market is changing. And the market, by the market, I mean that's the employment market and the customer market, the supply market, all these different markets that we're operating in. And anyone that sits around and just thinks it's going to be the same as it was 20 years ago in 20 years' time is going to get, is shooting themselves in the foot. And we talk a lot about the next generation of customer that's coming into our business, and that's the Gen Ys, the Millennials, Gen Zs. You know, these people have very, very different expectations of the way that we 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 serve them and the product that we deliver to them. 
And I'm I'm kind of on a head start here because I've got a 20-year-old daughter and a 17-year-old daughter. And so I see the way they interact online. I see the way they interact socially. I see the way that they, you know, how important sort of instant access to goods and services is to them. I'm guilty of it too. You know, if if I suddenly decide I want to order something for my home, I will expect to be able to order it and it's delivered the next day and it's immediately available. And I want variety and I want I want that availability of a wide range of goods made available to me all of the time. And that is the way that in some ways the, the hotel industry is going to is going to move. People are going to be looking for more experiences. And it was summed up beautifully for me recently when we did quite a large amount of research on the Gen Y and Millennial generations. And that is that in one line, and we kind of refer back to this as a business. You need to make sure that any product or service you're providing those two generation of customers is social mediable. So in other words, they can share their experience online with their friends. So you serve them a cocktail, then no one's going to get particularly excited about a cocktail. But if you serve them something that's really quirky as a cocktail, then they will take a photo of it and they'll post it out to their friends. And they they feel almost measured by the amounts of likes and interaction they get online as a result of the cocktail experience that they're having, as opposed to, I guess, in, in my day, I've told you how old I am, but in my day, back at the posh hotel that we had, where it was how good the cocktail tasted, because it was all about, does it taste nice? It's not so much about the taste anymore. You know, and it's and it's very much sell the experience rather than sell the product. And I think we've just got to absolutely understand that if we're going to um, move forward, especially with all of the other pressures that we're under. And you, you touched on Brexit, an employment market that might come about as a result of Brexit, heightening costs of transit and fuel and uh, food and beverage costs. They're all you know impacting us quite hard at the moment. And so, you, if you if you want to succeed in an ever ever toughening world it's going to be critical that you sell the experience and not just the product and i guess what you're saying as well using tech and innovation as a big part of moving it'll forward. be absolutely critical and some some you know companies are you know stealing a real march on that and and doing a very very good job at it you know as an independent hotel you know there's limited resource at our disposal so we that's something that we're very aware of but definitely technology is going to form a really really big part and it's interesting for example that the in the, in, the, in the survey, they said, we want to be able to check in online. We want to be able to arrive at our own time. We want to be able to have you know, our own key printed in advance and have it downloaded on our, on, on our phone, ready to go, even in a luxury environment. However, the difference is the welcome we receive, the personal welcome they receive. Don't, don't welcome us to print off a key because we can do that on our phone, but welcome us so that we feel really great and special when we walk into the building. So we still want human interaction, but the interaction is different to what you would have experienced, say, 10 years ago, where that person is offering you a key, a welcome, you know, would you like a wake-up call? And, and, you know, would you like a wake-up call? I mean, I'm still asked that when I stay in some hotels, you know, would you like a wake-up call? Well, no, I've got a phone. Yeah. It does that for me, and I don't need a wake-up call. But what I'd really like is some something exciting that's going to happen to me during the stay that is available in this hotel, as opposed to you providing me with a newspaper, a wake-up call, and information about when breakfast opens in the morning. Yeah, great. Hmm. That's not exciting me at all. And that could be the way in which I can watch television and catch up TV or the room service experience or the view from my room or the experience I'll have if I come down to the restaurant or the lounge. Yep. 
Um, and, and again, I'm not coming to the restaurant just to eat. I'm coming down for an experience. Yeah. So those things are really, really important to people as we go forward. And we need to react to that. Very interesting. So on our show here, we always uh, ask uh, one question in the end. Okay. And, and the question is that if you had to give one piece of advice, only one piece of advice to somebody starting out in hospitality or hotels, what would that be? It would be a joint, a joint piece of advice. Um, I would say try and provide something that is a little different that is that is a fantastic experience for someone but that you can deliver really really well with with great people around you just trying to go for the norm as cheaply and as simply as possible is not going to get you successful it's just not going to get you successful it's going to be all about experience i just i, I was just very fortunate only this weekend to have an experience where I had a one night away on one of the forts in the middle of the Solent. And the, these places are old forts. You know, they're very, very difficult places to build luxury accommodation on and serve luxury goods. But the experience was absolutely amazing. And I will remember it forever. So it's very fresh in my mind right now. Not the service or the product, but the actual experience and so my, and the people that were there were fantastic and the interaction that we had with them was absolutely amazing and again you know not world not world beating staff not world beating product but 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 a really really top end experience and for me that's what it's, the future is all going to be about in our industry so well done to them it was a great time Wait, thank you for coming today, Andrew, and thank you especially on your birthday for yeah, taking time out good. coming by. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a, a great meal thank you. tonight with a your daughters. Yeah, a great, great experience. Yeah, great experience, yeah. The food, I don't mind. It's just yeah. with my daughters, sitting on a marina, enjoying the sunset and enjoying the experience. And that's what it's all about. And I no doubt my, my two daughters will be taking loads of uh, pictures and posting it on social media. So keep your eye out for that. Yeah, I will, I will, I will. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going we're gonna to meet again uh, at yeah, uh, the podcast. So. I think we have a lot more to talk about. But thank you again and thank you. Uh, speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. That's all we have time for today. Thank you, Andrew, for sharing your story, your wealth of hotel and leadership experience. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, or even better, tell us what you think. What do you look for when you book a hotel? Thanks again to our producer, Laura Evans from Let's Talk Video Production. We hope you enjoyed today's Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tingser. Tune in next time for another industry interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.